gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Becoming Men podcast. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for good men on their journey to live epic lives. I show up every week with legendary guests who help me bring you some of the most impactful content out there on masculinity, and we don't disappoint. This week's episode is brought to you by mastermypurpose.com, but a little bit more on that later. Today, my guest is Brian Barcelona. Brian is an author, speaker, evangelist, and the founder of One Voice Student Missions and the Jesus Clubs. Through these ministries, Brian and his team have actually been able to reach hundreds of millions of people around the world with the truth of the gospel. And today, I get Brian in the seat to be able to talk about spiritual fathers, the importance of discipleship, and what it looks like to do evangelism, to reach people around the world in a digital age. Gents, Brian Barcelona. Brian, what's going on, man? You know, I am enjoying a, a newly born baby and and life. So a lot's been going on, but it's been amazing. Brother, congratulations, man. And we know that that is not an easy time, uh, but you are no uh, newbie at this. You're a veteran father, now of four. So c- again, congrats to you, man. Thank you, Seriously. Thank you so much. Well, uh, you know, this is actually an even better setup now with four kids in the home, right? Healthy wife, like everything. You got your German shepherd, you're like on two acres of land. Like you're, dude, you're getting set, right? And um, now you got to look back a decade and wonder, did you ever think, you know, were, were you living in LA at that time about 10 years ago? I was in LA 10 years okay. ago. Did you ever think that you would be where you're at right now? Never. Never. <laughs> okay, so if you can go back, man, and talk to yourself for one minute, what would you say to that guy? I think I would, I think I would say a few things. I think I would say <laughs> slow down, um, honor more, come under fathers, you know, and surviving. Like when you have nothing, it's very easy to submit. When you have something, it's almost harder to survive success than it is a mess. Wow. So I would just, man, I would tell myself, you know, there is no rush and, and there is no, um, what's the word? There is no, ladder you're climbing i mean i could everything you named it's incredible i i get to go out and have again four kids and we have an amazing home and but none of it fills me and i think when i was younger i always thought when i have this then maybe i will feel more satisfied and having these things i actually don't feel any more satisfied than i did 10 years ago Uh, only jesus satisfies me and i think that's been the the biggest thing that i've been able to take away Wow. Spot on on a, on a minute there, man. That's, that's fantastic because I, I want the guys listening to be able to hear that over and over and over again. And I've asked this to more than 60, 70 guests on this podcast, the same exact question in the same sequence. And I want the guys to, that are listening to hear that the things that actually matter are not what you collect around you, but it's what you build inside of you. Right. And, and the connections with the people that you build, right? And oh, number one, the connection that you build with the Lord. And when those things are right, I think you're going to be much better off no matter where you find yourself, no matter if you're in LA or Texas, whether you're, you know, in the country or overseas, like you're going to find a lot more inner peace if you're taking care of the inner stuff, you know, yeah. and I'm actually particularly interested in what you said about, you know, finding fathers, you know, just this being a men's podcast. Why was that one of the things that you would have brought up? Yeah, fathers have a role 
And let's talk biological and then let's talk step and then let's talk spiritual. Absolutely. Biological fathers have a role to give their children identity. Mm-hmm. So why is it that in 2022, we are in the largest identity crisis in American history? It's not coincidence. It guarantee you trace it to, to fathers. Sorry. And where I believe fathers have lacked, you mean you, you have nowadays in essence, kids that are telling their parents what they are, who they are at a whatever young age. And what you got to understand is that that's the role of a parent is to instruct their child in their identity. But when you have fathers that walk in shame, they're unable to do that. Maybe from past mistakes or their own inabilities, or maybe they weren't fathered. You you could see that in scripture where you have David who falls of Bathsheba. And then you have Solomon who's just has hundreds of wives. Yeah. How did you go from David, who's a king of Israel to your son with hundreds of wives? I guarantee somewhere in their relationship, David might've felt shame for what happened with him and Bathsheba and Uriah. And that shame didn't allow him to father. You look at now stepfathers, stepfathers play a vital role as well. I think a lot of times people don't give enough credit to stepfathers. I mean, Joseph was a stepfather of Jesus. Mm, You know, Jesus was born to a teenage mom and a stepdad. I mean, he can relate to this generation, you know? Wow. And what's very interesting is in the lines of, you look at Jesus's genealogy, you can see that it comes from the line of David through his mother, but you can also trace the line of David through his stepfather. So because Joseph was willing to father a kid who didn't have his blood running in his veins, Jesus was also grafted into a godly lineage of David because of his willfulness to father. You look at spiritual fathers, just as you could inherit homes and you could inherit money, you can also inherit things spiritually. And I think that uh, spiritual fathers, God brings those in to really uh, mend up or give legacy where biological and even stepfathers did not. Yeah. This is where some of you listening, you don't have a father, you don't have a stepdad, but maybe you have a pastor or there's been another spiritual mentor that's been walking with you to the, to the degree of health that you are willing to submit is the degree that you're willing to inherit. And I think that there's a lot of theoretical submission but what really brings down blessing, which I think I've walked everything that I have, who we are, the ministry, I, I fully credit it, obviously, first the Lord, but right after that would be fathers. And I yes. just, I've inherited things that I don't deserve, but it's because I've come under them. Yeah. Heck yes. And, and you know what? I think listening to that as a 20 something year old. I have to put myself there and think that sounds and feels uncomfortable because that means that I'm right. Like for all intents and purposes, I'm supposed to be this grown man that's supposed to have everything together. But you're telling me I'm supposed to look to someone to my left and right to be man, almost dependent on. And some guys don't even like using that word. I'm dependent on somebody else to pour into me, right. To give me the things that I don't yet have. And that's why I think a lot of guys would rather turn on a YouTube video and just be self-made men right? Just learn on their own, which there's nothing wrong with that guys, open source, you know, information and open source education. I'm all about it. But when you're doing that in complete isolation and you don't have anybody who's backing you in your corner, who's pouring mm-hmm. into you. I look at that guy, like as if somebody, as if it was somebody who just broke their leg. Like I kind of just feel bad. <laughs> yeah, and, and people need to understand there is a difference between information and wisdom. Mm, what do you mean it, by that? Information could be gathered from any source. Sure. 
but information never possesses history. This is where you can tell me how to build that chicken coop and it's not going to matter what you tell me. I have no history in building that. Now you come over my house and you building it with me. I'm not only gaining information, I'm gaining wisdom. There are pieces and dynamics of, Hey, you know, I know the instructions say put the board this way. I've learned slanted up just about two inches. Yeah. That's the difference between wisdom is wisdom and wisdom is information that is lived out over time. Right. That's the issue today is you have instant information at your fingertips with zero wisdom. So you have people that sound really smart, but they're really not. Um, well, you know, you can, and again, I, there's just certain things that just come with time. I think you, we, I, I embrace gray headed people because I understand they may, even my grandfather who has a second grade education, I mean, he can't give you the educational piece of things, but he's been married for 60 years. That's right. You know, he may not be able to read and write the best, but he can sure give you wisdom in areas of your life that no YouTube video or no, even young guys, my, my pastor in LA used to say, don't read marriage books written in the last 10 years. Read the ones that were written 30, 40 years ago. You know, those real foundational pieces. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think they're, I think there's so much gold in all of those things. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is not to step on anybody who has, you know, feels like they have a calling or an anointing in a certain area and you're coming out a little bit, you know, maybe preemptive, but you're coming out soon with, with some information out there and it's helpful and it's, it's, it, there's wisdom in there. But man, what you're getting at, Brian, is so crucial to building a lasting society that values heritage, that values legacy, that values the passing of the torch, right? The proper passing of the torch. Cause that's when, like you said, wisdom is being transferred. And I, I'm in the same situation. I was just spending some time with my grandfather and he told me 67 years I've been with this woman is he, he's holding her hand, man. And I just like, I just teared up the entire time I'm with them. My grandmother's on the, on the verge of dementia and uh, he's just holding her hand. 67 years I've been with this woman. That's what he kept repeating to me. And I'm like, how many times could you have walked away? Right. How many times? Cause that's what we see most often today. How many times could you have just left this behind? Uh, you know, joined all of the other guys that you may have known that are on their third wives already. But you know, one of the things that I, is so true about, you know, about him, and this isn't knocking on any generations. Um, they had one washing machine one washing machine that was fixed 60 times. <laughs> yeah, I've had six washing machines <laughs> in 10 years. Yeah. When one breaks, I get rid of it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. It's real. It's real, man. And I, <clears throat> I just, yeah, I think that there is much to learn. And I think we're in a very unique time, you know, in another 10 years, 20 years, your grandfather won't be here. Yeah. But right now you have your grandfather, your father, you and your, and your, and your, your children. Amen. Yes. Right that's now true. we are living with four generations. Yeah. We have to absorb everything we can from that older generation. Yeah. In God and in wisdom. And it's not just when they say you're crushing it, you know, and they, you're doing a great job. You're crushing it. I mean, we need to embrace rebukes. We need to embrace moments where they say, Hey, you're really prideful here. Hey, you got to, 
you got to shift that. And I think that that's the hardest thing as men. If this is a this podcast to, to men, I, I, I mean, you know, your pride kicks in and, and pride kicks in when you feel stupid. Mm. No one wants to feel stupid. No one wants to feel like they don't know. Right. But you're only stupid when you think, you know, and you stand on the grounds of what you think, you know, you know, that's right. That's right, man. And you know, Brian, I'm really interested in some of the things that you're bringing up uh, on the social spaces. Like I was talking to you before, you're really doing a good job at targeting a younger generation of men. Uh, and just from looking at all the statistics from this podcast, I know that a good, you know, fairly large amount of our listeners are within that generation that you're targeting Gen Z, you know, which we are putting at anybody who's born in 1997 and onward, right. That's considered Gen Z. Uh, and some of the things that are also coming out with, um, with Gen Z is the, some of the statistics around mental health, right. And I I just want to read a few of them to you and then kind of, maybe we can tie in even just some of the dialogue that we've just had. And again, some of the things that you're doing uh, and see where we go from there. So here I'm reading and guys, by the way, taste, take statistics lightly. Not all statistics are 100% accurate, but I think that uh, there's a good representation in the correlation that's happening here. So it says Gen Z is about twice as likely as Americans over 25 to battle depression and feelings of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Gen Z is three times as likely as Americans over 25 to say that their challenges are so severe that they thought that they might be better off dead. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got more than half of the Zoomers, the Gen Z, know someone that is battling depression. And one in four have someone close to them dealing with drug addiction. One in five know someone who has died by suicide. What is what's that speaking to us, man? Even just in context of some of the things that we were just talking about, what are your thoughts? You know, I um, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not going to say I'm knowledgeable in the whole mental health conversation. Sure. Um, what I will say is <clears throat> that obviously there's been an increase <clears throat> of people's uh, ability to process things that they're going through and. Again, I'm not I'm not shifting blame because I think we have to take responsibility for our lives at the same time. I think that, again, we see another issue arise from fatherlessness. We see family units that are destroyed. I I remember what I went through. I came from an abusive family, 10 years of abuse. My mom was beat. I was beat at divorce. And I look at my life and I look at my children now and I look at my daughters and I think, man, they've never grown up in anything. I grew up, they've they've never, I've never hit my wife. I've never left. They've never done anything like that. You know, God always willing, God always keep me. And I think, man, their personalities, if they were to grow up in the home, I grew up and they would be destroyed. And, you know, 10, 15 years from now, God knows. And so I, I, I think that the, these issues have to be addressed from within the home, mm, um, that's right. especially as believers. I mean, again, I, youth pastors exist because fathers don't do their jobs, you know, and then we, and then we send, you know, kids, they get, kids get sent to youth group at 16, have no God in their life. Like, hey, fix them. 
in 30 minutes a week. You just, you just can't do that. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, don't, I don't, and, and I know that, you know, that's no parent's desire, but it's the reality. And so I think with the mental health issue and all the depression and suicide, all these things that kids are going through, man, that can really, a, a lot of that, I feel like can really be dealt with at the table. Yeah. You know, over meals, over conversations. Um, I know it seems simple, you know, and then I think just making space for people to feel like they can express those hurts and pains. Right. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, cause from what you're saying, there's no hack. There's no like new, as far as we have gone in exploration, right? There's no hack in what you are saying that is transformational by tomorrow. In yeah. fact, it is generational and it's going to take time to transform a, a family unit into a God loving, God fearing family that brings on, you know, that carries that legacy that continues on going. And it's funny how we just can look backwards in time to really learn how we should be moving forward. Right. Because I, and I think that as we were less distracted or there were less things to distract us, we were more focused in the home, right. Out of necessity, fathers were more in the home. And yeah. I think now, man, where there's so many options, where there's so many disillusions or there's so many uh, lies being spoken to men, we're completely tearing apart at the fabric. And then we don't even know how to, we're not even being taught how to stitch it together. So like you said, we're throwing our kids into youth group and saying, here you go. Can you please teach my children? I jokingly told my wife, I want to hear what you think about this. I said, you know, I think we should stop trying to uh, send our kids to Sunday school. You know, like when we send our kids to the classroom in, in, in church, stop sending them to Sunday school, quote unquote. I think Sunday school should be for moms and dads to learn if they want to, if they don't know how to teach their children about Jesus. And then all of the week is Bible school for the kids. You know what I'm saying? And so Sunday becomes an equipping for the family rather than just like uh, activities based thing that the kids get to learn about Jesus for 10 minutes. Let's take a quick moment to hear from the sponsor of this episode, mastermypurpose.com. If you want to clarify your God-given purpose, master the skills of some of the world's most successful and purpose-driven men, and march into action right now, then make sure that you head over to mastermypurpose.com for your free 21-day guide to a purpose-driven year. You'll be able to join the army of men already marching into a new direction and purpose. Again, that's mastermypurpose.com. And I think doing life with your kids, I mean, we... We pray with our kids. We read the Bible with our kids. We worship with our kids. Yeah. I mean, any nation I've ever traveled to to preach, uh, as as that, that you know, we've been able to. We've brought our kids. My kids have been to Europe. Uh, you know, Germany, they've been to Germany, England, yeah. they've been, um, Singapore. Um, yeah. I mean, we're going to Argentina. We just do things. This one guy told me this, and I never forgot it. He says, Brian, don't sacrifice your family, sacrifice as a family. Mm, that's good. And so it's like, Brian, how, you know, I'm not saying that we're perfect, you know, but my wife and I love what we do. There's obviously the price we pay as a family. She knows that she has to share her husband with congregations and traveling. I mean, I leave in, I mean, three days after she gave birth, I preached at Bethel in Reading. Yeah. And this weekend I go to Florida, you know? Yeah. But, but also when she wants to go to the mall, I go to the mall when she wants to, 
go get sushi. We go as a family. It's like, you know, we do those things as a family. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that, man. And I think that's where, again, that family unit is being knit together close more, even more closely, right. Rather than tearing it apart, you're doing this intentional work about keeping it together. Uh, even when it's, you know, in uncomfortable situations, you're doing that you're doing it well. So good on you, man. That's like the example that we should continually want to, uh, to emulate, you know, all fathers and just men in general, like don't sacrifice your family at the altar of a career, a job, you know, some kind of fantasy because you think it's going to bring you something of, of value. When at the end of the day, man, you're going to lay on your deathbed, like many other people. And hopefully, hopefully what you're taking with you, man, those memories, it were all worth it. Right. Cause you're not taking anything else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's true. It's yeah. true. You know, here's a, uh, another question that I had for you, man. I was thinking about some of the things that were used in time, back in time, you know, to preach the gospel. And I hate putting it this way because it sounds like there's so much agenda behind it. But I, I know like, for example, um, with boomers, there was such an awareness of like the end times. Right. And so a lot of fear was being used to bring boomers into the church and it, mm -hmm. and it, and it worked, right? Because they're thinking end times, right? And so that was like a very common and popular message during that time. And I don't think that you can actually copy paste and bring that message to today's generation. I don't think it would be received in the same way that it was received in the sixties um, and seventies, you know, preaching doom, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so you're having to show up like right now, staying relevant, right? in the social spaces and, and bring the same gospel. Nothing's changed about the gospel, but packaged or delivered in a different way. What, how do you see that being, uh, being different? What are you doing right now to be able to reach uh, this younger generation? Yeah. Jesus, you know, Jesus wrote a donkey. Um, the last, you know, decades it's been cars and planes and mm. boats and, you know, in the last, you know, five, 10 years, it's been apps. Yeah. I think the message remains, um, you know, believe it or not, one of the biggest questions that we got. So we, we had zero, like not zero, we had pretty much zero following in 2020. And like most people, you know, when COVID hit, everyone tried to get online and, you know, their, their garage setups, their home setups, we, we did it all. Um, we seen something very unique in those years where we seen a, movement that in one voice, which I'm a part of that has been around at that time for 10 years, um, explode to millions of followers. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think our hashtag views was, was and is, um, 500 million. Mm. And, um, one of the number one questions we got actually was end times, but it wasn't probably like it was years ago. It's kids, kids just, they, they want to know, like, you I mean, COVID and wars and yeah. you know, living yeah. in these times. And I, you know, I wasn't alive in the sixties and seventies of the Jesus movement, but I do know that God uses historically, um, really terrible seasons in nations. And that's what we're in, in America. I mean, we're in a diesel shortage. We're, you know, in, wars around the world you have the you know get them don't want to get into any politics but you have um you know the 
China that's rising up like it's never risen. I mean, you see, the, the, and it seems very similar to the 60s where you had Russia and you had all these, you know, missile threats and all these things going on. And I don't think that we're to ever play on fear. I do think that we are to know that perfect love casts out fear. Amen. So atmospheres of fear present the greatest landing strip for love. And God is love. And so I, I, I would say, man, if you're preaching end times, which is not a message that I'm strong in, I won't, I won't, I'm not, I'm not the the most knowledgeable. I need to be more in eschatology. Um, You know, I can't tell you about the the seals and the trumpets and I, I, I got buddies that can, I, I am not as, uh, as knowledgeable as they are, but I will say in Matthew 24, when Jesus is laying out all that's going to happen smack dab in the middle of that verse, after listing all these terrible things that will come, it says, and this gospel will be preached. And so I just think that the good news is always smack dab in the center of crisis. It's smack dab in the center of hardships. Yeah. And I just think to embrace that, you know, um, yeah. And let God give you the language to speak to this generation. Yeah. Yeah. And with the added challenge of not having the attention span of, you know, and anything bigger than 60 seconds, you know, it, I find that challenging. I'm trying like going against my desire, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I know that I need to learn to focus better. That's something I'm always working on. Um, but yeah, in some of the ways that you're showing up, you're like, I got 60 seconds to tell somebody this, right. Which you can never give the entire gospel in 60 seconds, but man, you can give some <clears throat> consumable chunks that people can walk away with and be like, you know, I think I'm hungry for more. What is it? What is, um, if you could just tell a little bit more about, uh, Jesus clubs and then one voice. Jesus clubs and one voice, uh, started 13 years ago and it has just become a movement of young people, um, all over, all over the world now, uh, six yeah. continents, there's Jesus clubs, um, students are getting empowered to lead, you know, these Jesus clubs, um, and they're owning it, man. I mean, the gospel is being preached on campuses, obviously digital. Um, we're doing Gen Z for Jesus, which is our tours and stadiums, arenas, I should say. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how long, you know, I, I feel like movements sometimes come in waves. You have movements that are very relevant in generations. And so, yeah. you know, God's breathing on one voice right now. And I want to, if revival's a wave that's moving, I want to ride it. Yeah, and, uh, I don't need to create it, but I definitely want to be ready to to be a part of it when it's hitting. And I think it is. I think we're in uh, times of revival, um, and I think reformation will come soon. Yeah, um, and reformation obviously always is the uh, the greatest indication of revival. Revival isn't dancing in the church. Revival isn't packed services. I mean, that would mean that concerts were secular concerts were revival. Yeah. Um, Lou says revival is God's arrival. And one of those, um, one of those fruits of that is change. Yeah. What kind of reformation are you talking about? Like, what what do you envision being some of the major change that would come upon this country? I mean, the world, right? That's, that's the large vision that you're carrying uh, through this revival. I think economic reform, I mean, for sure. You see a nation that's blessed economically. You see um, you know, morals that shift, you see laws that shift and change. Yeah. 
Um, you see conversions of people's lives, you, you know, and it's authentic. It's not something that's fabricated or, um, you know, I, I wasn't alive, but I heard in the sixties, you know, you go up to somebody and they say, what time is it? It's time to get saved. All right. And they give your life to Christ. And it was, <laughs> it's almost like the veil becomes thin and yeah. you're just able to connect with God, you know, in a way like mm-hmm. before. I preached in schools that it felt like that. I preached in schools where it was, um, you just felt like there was no distance between God and you anymore. Mm. I mean, I would just preach and just hundreds would be weeping in gyms. And you're just like, this is not normal. We're in a public school in East LA. It's 12 o'clock lunch and 400 kids are weeping in a gym. And hundreds are giving their lives to Christ publicly. Yeah. This, you know, and then obviously the next stage of that is okay. You've given your life to Christ. You've had the emotional connection with God, which again, I don't, I don't think we should throw out the emotional experience. Sometimes people say, ah, you know, it's not about your emotions. Come on. That's so, that's so ridiculous. Yeah. Pretty sure you felt emotions when you met your wife, yeah. you know? And for me to say, that's just ridiculous. Get rid of those emotions. You'd be like, bro, you're tripping. Like your, your emotions are the initial, um, the initial igniting flame of any relationship. Obviously your emotions don't keep you in the relationship. Yes, they sure play a part in engaging you in it. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach, somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Every single thought that we have carries an emotion. Um, and so neurologically speaking, it's just when people say, you know, you're being more emotional, for example, it's just that you're being, you're expressing that uh, emotion that's attached to that thought or feeling more than somebody else. And when you're in the presence of the creator, you know, you, there is that, <laughs> that desire to express that there's that ability to openly express that. So I'm, I'm 100% with yeah. you. If you're going to tell me that I wasn't, uh, you know, showing, hundred percent emotion, falling in love with my, you know, my beautiful bride, I'd, I'd be lying to you. Right. Like I was head yeah. over heels with this girl, but like you said, like, that's not what kept me in. Um, and, and that's actually exactly where I wanted to go because, you know, as we are just sharing the gospel at this massive rate, right. Because it, there's a lot of people who are able to get on TikTok and, and, and profess Jesus and, and give a little snippet, for example, Instagram, wherever. And that's not, all, that's not all you're doing, but this is just an example. Let's say you're reaching 500 million people um, through video. And then let's say, you know, a certain percentage or amount of people get saved. Yeah. But then what? Yeah. Right. And, and I think that this is where this idea and this desire for the podcast was birthed because I became a Christian man. I became aware of, of my sin, uh, what Christ died for, who he is in my life, sort of, (laughs) I say sort of, because there was a lot of learning into the different dimensions of that. But then I was like, I was left told being told, Hey, you got to carry your cross, but nobody's showing me how to do that. Like, what does that even mean? (laughs) You know? Um, and how could, what do you think about that? 
uh, how can we do better at just <laughs> displaying that, showing that and uh, teaching that? What are your thoughts? I, I was uh, in 2021, December, I watched a documentary called Sheep Among Wolves. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, not watched it. Highly suggest you watch it. It was probably one of the most profound documentaries. I actually got to meet uh, the uh, leader there in the documentary. Okay. He's blurred out. I got to yeah. meet him. It's about the fastest growing church in the world, and it's in Iran. And in this documentary, they said some things that were very challenging to my Western way of mm. thinking. I watched it. You're right. Yep. I remember. And, yes. uh, I think the first thing is what is the gospel? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you're in the West, you say, what is the gospel? You will hear this answer. Christ died. He rose again to forgiveness of my sins. And obviously that is very good news. The gospel means good news. It is good news. But if that was true, then how did Jesus preach the gospel when he was alive? Mm-hmm. He hadn't died yet. Take it a step further when does conversion happen? I mean, when you, you know, so were Jesus's disciples saved when they were performing miracles because he hadn't died yet. Right. This starts getting, it, it, yeah. it challenges a little bit. And so in the method of the Iranian church is different than the West. And I'm not saying that what we've done in the West is wrong. It's God's using the method, the, the, the Billy Graham method of crusades and preaching in that way. I mean, I've preached and seen many come to Christ in that way, but when you're in a nation like Iran, you can't hold a crusade. So what do you do? So they have a, a, a system of winning the loss. that's a little bit different. They don't, they don't win the lost and then disciple. They disciple you unto conversion. And if you look at Jesus, that's what he did. He never went that's up right. to the disciples and said, accept me in your heart. Believe that I, you know, that I came and he said, follow me. Yes. And I don't know when Peter's conversion took place. Was it when he followed and left his nets? Was it when he said, you are the Christ? Was it when he preached an axe? Was it when he hung upside down, you know, being a martyr? I don't know. But somewhere in his journey, conversion took place. Yeah. And I think a lot of times here in the West, we want to see, we we judge a conversion off of a hand or an altered response. Right. I do believe that God moves that way. And I do believe that those are authentic conversions, but what do you do about the guy that doesn't answer that altar call, but he's coming every week, mm-hmm. you know? That's and right. So, yeah. I think this, I think discipleship, man, it's messy. It's, it's long-term. You deal with issues in people's lives and generational stuff. And pretty sure there's things you still navigate through. There's things I navigate through and, you know, and yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's, it's, it's vital to know like the parable of the sower, there's four different types of soil, but there's one common thing. The sower never prejudged if the seed would grow. He never looked at the rocks and said, I don't really think soils, this is going to grow here. He just, he didn't look at the road and say, you know what? That heart looks really hard. You know, that guy's really way out there. I'm not even going to waste my time. He just kept sowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. I mean, it's even the same thing as like the Lord calls us to be fishers, right? Like we, we're just fishing them <laughs> indiscriminately. We're fishing. Right. And he's the one that got some, right. Like he's, he's, he gets to the core and cleans it up, man. Um, but we're not like, 
here throwing a net in and being fishers of men and, and just tossing them back because we're like, ah, this one doesn't meet my yeah, standards. This one is a little bit too rough. This one's too fishy. Yes. You know? Yeah. So a spot on. And so I think from what you said, the response there then is discipleship. Discipleship is that gap that we need to bridge. And this is where I feel like a lot of people might have a misconception about where the church needs to go uh, here in, in the next, let's say decade, two decades, because there's these large mega churches that have popped up that people, you know, tune into and they're like, well, I'm going to church online. Right. That's fine. Right. I don't think we're bound to just like sit your butt in a seat. And that's the only way that you can receive the gospel and and learn about the Lord that day. But I'm going to tell you right now, I have grown more as a leader of Marines, Mm -hmm. as a man, as a husband, as a father in a small church with less than 70 people than I have in some of the best military schools that the United States Marine Corps can produce. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you that right now, straight up, because there's just some things that, that transcend what is happening now that you get when you're sitting in the, in, in the body with the body, right? And you're together as a church and just experiencing God in a new way, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm- Everyone has their process and everyone has their ways that God reaches them. And I think it's not cookie cutter and it's not, I mean, you are learning in the dynamic that God designed for you to learn. And I do think there are basic ingredients that are needed. I, I, I don't want to leave it a free for all. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you, you know, you're, you're hearing God talk to a tree, you know, every day. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Let's not do that, guys. Let's yeah, not do at, that. <laughs> at the same time, I, I do embrace that the way Jesus saved me is different than how he saved you. Mm-hmm. And the kind of disciplines you're going to have and learn are, are very unique to maybe yeah. disciplines that I've had to learn and travel or we, whatever. We just yeah. did different, but we have the same calling. I mean, there are people you're to reach yeah. that I'll never reach. And there are people that I'm to reach that you may have a chance to reach or may not have a chance to reach. It's yeah. why we need one another. And that's right. Yeah. I just, I think that's how denominations get formed is they encounter God one way and they think this is the only way mm-hmm. Let's create an entire mm-hmm. denomination off of a moment or off of a style or right. You know, you know, off of a, of an encounter. I mean, I thank God that Moses didn't create a denomination called burning bush denomination where everyone had to encounter God through a burning bush. You know, it just wasn't, it's ridiculous. You know, I'm not saying that are bad. I'm just saying like it, I embrace those that are Baptist. I embrace those that are Pentecostal. I embrace those that, you know, they may shake and bake. And then those that may never lift a hand. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. You believe that God heals. You don't believe that God heals. The only difference we're both going to heaven. You just might walk sick. I don't know. Yeah. It's not deal breakers for me. You know, I just, there are deal breakers, the cross and, you know, salvation and grace. And, you know, obviously those are biblical. Yeah. But some of those other things I just don't even bother with. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, man. And I, I, we will get hung up a lot of times on those, I'll say more petty things. Um, and cling to what we know or what we think we know, because, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm, if I believe this and I'm wrong, I have a greater thing to lose. And if you're, then I believe whatever you're believing and, and wow. you are wrong. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, there's this, uh, 
desire to cling to what you know and only that and that's correct and uh, but just in general man the the fact that we are able to get in a body um, and learn and grow and be discipled again to go back to that key term like to get discipled right and to go back to the beginning of this conversation I, for the men listening like to get discipled by strong faithful men who are willing to sit in your corner and patiently you know mm-hmm. guide you and accept your mess, right? I, I think we long for that. We long for um, somebody to look at us in progress, right? Because we haven't arrived and I don't think we'll ever just arrive, right? To look at us in progress and still see that potential and call it out of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's true. Brian, I'm, I'm just thankful, man, to be able to sit down and have this conversation with you. Um, for the guys that are listening, the guys that um, just want to learn a little bit more about One Voice, about Jesus Cause, about you and what you're doing, where do you want to send them and where could they go? Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, yeah, website, I mean, anywhere they want. Yeah, yeah. And guys, all of that is going to be down below. Um, and you guys are going to be blown away just with the the content, um, the material, all of the things that um, that Brian's able to put out. And man, I've been blessed by it. I know many other people have. So again, Brian, thank you so much, man, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Becoming Man podcast. If you want more free, impactful, and transformational resources, be sure to stop by the website, thebecomingmen.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever other platform you use. And if you'd like to do something to support The Becoming Men, it always means a bunch if you're able to leave a quick review or rating on iTunes. Also, many thanks to those who've partnered with us to support our work through financial donations. Your support helps make The Becoming Men podcast and our free resources available to men around the world, literally. If you're interested in becoming a partner, you can find out more at thebecomingmen.com forward slash partner. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash partner. Until next time, continue to march.